Nowadays, there's stuff, and there's stuff you don't need to know. A podcast that talks about geek and nerd culture and brings you the things that you want to hear about. Hey everybody, welcome back to Stuff You Don't Need to Know. This is Jay, and today we're going to continue our look at Stargirl Season 1, Episode 5, entitled Dr. Midnight and Our Man. And, I mean, the title is pretty much a spoiler right there. Last week, uh, in the episode Wildcat, we were introduced to the latest member of the new JSA, or actually the first new member of the JSA, I should say, with uh, Yolanda Montez becoming Wildcat. So obviously this week, with the title being uh, Dr. Midnight and Our Man, that's who we're going to meet this week. So... What I think is really, really great about this episode, and again, I'm going to say, as I have before, there will be some mild spoilers in here. I'm really just going to try to do an overview of the episode, talk about my thoughts and feelings on it, and really try to keep the spoilers light. So what I think was really, really interesting about this uh, this episode was, I, I think, again, like most of the episodes that we've seen so far, I mean, I think they're doing a really good job with the show. Uh, I'm still loving the pacing of it. I'm still loving the storytelling of it. Uh, there are a few things that I really kind of didn't agree with, but, you know, I mean, that's how it is, you know, nothing is perfect out there. So let's talk about the good, let's talk about the bad, and talk about the story a little bit. So, like I said, last week, we're introduced to the first new recruit of the new JSA, and that is Yolanda Montez becoming Wildcat. So this week, we're going to get more recruits, and I want to say that what I think is really, really good about this show is, you know, if, if you think about it, you know, this is the new JSA that's being formed, headed by the new Stargirl, Starman, Stargirl, however you want to look at it. In a way, it almost kind of mirrors, I'm going to say kind of, it almost kind of mirrors like a Teen Titans kind of a thing. Now, of course, the big difference is, is that the Teen Titans was primarily, you know, originally when it came out, was made up really of sidekicks. I mean, these were kids that had served at the side of their heroes for many years. They've been very well trained. They're ready to kind of, they're ready to step in and take that mantle and, you know, form the Titans, the Teen Titans, and go from there. We're getting a much different, a much different look at uh, how a team is formed here with this new JSA and with Courtney leading the way. None of these kids are heroes, <laughs> you know. They have absolutely no experience with any of this. And really what we see is with this episode, with uh, the new Dr. Midnight and the new Hour Man coming on board, you know, this is not going to be a cohesive unit. This is not going to be the Teen Titans with Robin just being the natural leader and everybody kind of falling into line. Sure, there's going to be some squabbles and things like that, but for the most part, it is pretty much smooth sailing. We're definitely not going to get that with this new team. I think what this episode does kind of show, though, is that, you know, with Courtney being Stargirl... She's obviously going to be fronting this new JSA. She's going to be leading it. And I think right away with some of the actions that she took in this episode, she's really going to show that she is going to be a pretty strong and a pretty effective leader. She's going to make mistakes. And in the episode Icicle, she pretty much made one of her biggest mistakes so far to date when she really tried to stop Icicle from sending a school bus pretty much plummeting into a river by saving it 
she then really exposed other people to harm and you know she kind of learned a, a very very valuable lesson at being a superhero that it's not just about making the save you know it's making sure that everybody is safe you know the obvious the obvious save or the obvious play, you know, is not always necessarily the right one. You know, that's a lesson that she learned. And unfortunately, she learned it the hard way. In this episode, she really learned what it means to be a leader. And when we kind of get more towards how our man and Dr. Midnight join the group, I'll explain it a little bit. But let's look at some of the things that Courtney is definitely not good at at being a superhero and being a leader. First of all, she's still carrying around all these relics. Um, and I think that that kind of shows her inexperience. I don't want to say that she's not taking this serious. She's obviously taking this very, very serious. But she's really showing her inexperience with, first of all, last week taking Johnny Thunder's pen. She did try it. It didn't work. And then she just kind of, not really discards it, she just puts it in her pen case. Um, I would kind of hoped, uh, especially, you know, after this week's episode, when she sees that certain items, I mean, the Cosmic Staff only really responds, I shouldn't say only really, the Cosmic Staff only responds to her. And in this week's episode, Our Man's Hourglass only responds to a certain person. So that should kind of tip her off that not all of these items, not all of these relics, these, these heroic artifacts are just going to respond. Yes, she tried to click Johnny Thunder's pen and nothing happened. But, you know, Pat did warn her that that particular relic might be one of the most dangerous, dangerous ones that was in that old JSA hideout or hangout. And she clicks it. She's like, eh, it doesn't work. And she kind of tosses it aside. I really kind of hope she goes back and is sort of like, oh, maybe this, this particular item is only going to respond to a certain person or a certain thing. And not for nothing, I really don't want to leave it laying around because if the ISA gets their hands on it, I mean, they're obviously way more experienced. They might figure out a way to use it, turn it into a weapon, what have you. So I think the fact that she's kind of... She's kind of almost, I don't want to say careless. I really think she's trying to do her best. I mean, look, let's not forget that she is a teenager. She's supposed to be, I believe, 15 or 16 years old in this show. So she's a high school sophomore, let's say. And, you know, she's trying to pretty much hide from just about everybody except Pat that she is, excuse me, that she is Stargirl and she has the cosmic staff. So, you know, she's a teen living at home. She really doesn't have any resources. She doesn't have a secret lair. You know, she, she has no place to hide these. So she does have to kind of carry them around with her. But at the same time, in her heart, she's still a teenager. She doesn't clean her room. And by the fact that she doesn't clean her room, she almost gets exposed by her mom, you know, with her Stargirl costume pretty much almost laying right out there for her mom to see when her mom is sort of like, Courtney, my God, you're not cleaning your room. Let me come in here and straighten up. And Courtney kind of out of the corner of her eye finally sees like, oh, oh my God, my Stargirl costume is right there. Courtney, you got to work on that. Also, too, pretty much putting all these items uh you know, the hourglass, Dr. Midnight's suit, you know, and of course the biggest, bulkiest item, of course, is uh, the green, the green lantern, green lantern's green lantern, um, stuffing them pretty much in a hockey bag and lugging it around. Okay. I went to high school. Granted, I went to high school many, 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 many years ago, many, many years before this series came out, but I'm pretty sure that just like then, 
nowadays, if a kid came in with a huge duffel bag like that, you know, or, or just something really kind of out of the ordinary, it is definitely going to attract attention. The fact that she's lugging around, I mean, I hate to say it, it almost looks like she's carrying around a small body bag. Um, and the fact that this is drawing no attention from anybody, especially given the fact that she is not one of the most popular girls at school, kind of surprised somebody hasn't targeted her already and tried to say like, hey, what's in the bag and take it away from her. Courtney's really got to learn here. Um, you know, plus two, bringing the Green Lantern, the lantern itself, to school and stuffing it in a locker. <laughs> you don't know what it is. You don't know what it does. She's definitely got some things to learn. But like I said, I think in this episode, she really displays a lot of great leadership qualities. I mean, first of all, yes, she has Yolanda. She knows she needs more recruits, uh, even though early on in the episode, you know, again, Pat is really starting to put kind of two and two together here and, you know, kind of confronts Courtney um, pretty much about, again, trying to drop the mantle of being Stargirl, the fact that she's probably trying to put together a new JSA. I mean, they have a talk about it. And one thing I want to say here is Luke Wilson is a great actor, and I really love him in the role of Pat Dugan. And look, I know this this show is going to go on for a season, 12 or 14 episodes. I'm not exactly sure how many episodes there are this season. And yes, in the beginning, when it was really kind of the two of them, he comes out with Stripe. They do fight you know, side by side. They do work together. But these last couple episodes, he's kind of been pushed to the side. And I get it. I mean, we really want to focus on Stargirl. We want to f focus on Courtney. And these last two episodes, you know, forming the new JSA, I'm really kind of hoping that over the course of the next few episodes... Pack maybe comes to realize what's going on, that Courtney is not giving up. She's going to continue to be Stargirl, and now she's dragged more people into it. Um, and especially since, you know, something that happens here in the episode kind of tips Pat off, not so much to what Courtney is doing, but to the fact that, you know, while he is searching for former ISA members, and he comes to learn that a lot of them, if not all of them, are most likely in Blue Valley, um, that the, perhaps that there is a child of one of the former JSA members pretty much right under his nose. So he's really going to start to put a lot of this together. So I am kind of hoping that with sort of this core team being formed, because again, we have the Green Lantern, we have Johnny Thunder's pen, you know, are more, are more members going to come, but we pretty much have a core JSA formed here. Hopefully Stripe will join the team and we can kind of get into some butt kicking here, but Listen, good stories need setup. You know, you really need to explain some things and, and kind of get the ball rolling before the butt kicking begins. So it's a little bit of a small critique. I just kind of felt the last couple of episodes that Luke Wilson, while he does do a great job as Pat Dugan, has kind of been pushed to the side a little bit. But I have a feeling, I have a feeling we're going to be seeing more of him. But like I said, um, you know, he's he tells Courtney that he's pretty sure that just about every member of the ISA is in town. And Courtney kind of spills the beans and lets it be known that she and she doesn't give up Yolanda to her credit. I mean, that's great. A good sign of a leader, you know, not not letting Pat know that there are more members of her JSA, but pretty much says that she staked out Brainwave's um, hospital room and she saw the principal of the school playing a fiddle. Um, Pat is sort of like, well, yeah, there was a member of the ISA, you know, named the Fiddler, but it was a guy, this and that, and blah, blah, blah. But Courtney is pretty much 
she's pretty much assured that yes the principal is a new member of the isa she is the new fiddler and later on in the episode it's pretty much confirmed that she is indeed the fiddler um so like i said you know we see that courtney is displaying some good leadership abilities here you know she doesn't give the fact that she has recruited yolanda and for the most part she is keeping her recruiting secret now pat does have a run-in and i should say at the beginning of this episode we get a bit of a flashback where we see the original hour man uh, rex tyler um, pretty much, you know, Pat had said that he was really the only, aside from him, he was the only surviving member of the JSA. He was uh, conducting research and kind of spying and keeping an eye out for the ISA. And he did have a lot of info. So obviously, this little intro that we see here, you know, Rex realizes that, yeah, the ISA is on to him and he has to get out of there. So he and his wife pretty much flee. They have, I don't know if it's his brother or if it's his brother-in-law show up. And he pretty much says, like, look, everything is yours now. We pretty much never existed. You know, um, our son here is now your son. Um, you know, he's he's not, Ty you know, last name. He's not, you know, Rick Tyler. He's Rick Harris. You know, we left you money, this and that. And we see that, you know, that loser table. Uh, that Courtney sits at in the first episode, which, you know, she recruited Yolanda from it. Um, the other young man that's sitting there is this Rick Tyler and um, or Rick Harris, I should say, who really we find out is Rick Tyler, you know, the son of the original hour man. Pat does kind of meet him. They kind of bond over cars. Uh, you know, it turns out that Rex Tyler used to have a 66 Mustang. And when Rick is kind of telling the story about his dad's old Mustang and this and that, Pat is sort of like, wow, could this be Rex's son? It turns out that it is. Uh, Courtney notices that when she sees Rick, our man's hourglass kind of responds to him. It glows. So, you know, she tracks him down with Yolanda and they try to convince him to become the new hour man. Here's the problem. He is very, very resentful. He's very resentful for the fact that his parents left him that shortly after they left him, they died. Now, he believes that it was just pretty much a stupid accident. But as we see in this in this beginning, it really wasn't. Uh, it really was due to the ISA. I won't give spoilers on that. Definitely watch the episode. But he carries a lot of anger for that. Not just for that, but for the fact that he's left with an uncle that pretty much resents him. Now, he doesn't know that this is his... Well, actually, he does know that it's his uncle. Even though that he's pretending to be his father, he knows that he's his uncle. Uh, his uncle totally resents him. And could there be some physical abuse there? There might be. I mean, there's definitely a lot of tension between the two of them. So this young man carries around a lot of anger with him. The fact that Courtney knows all this, she still goes after him. She still wants him to be part of the JSA. While this is going on, Beth Cooper, remember her? She's the other young lady that sits at the table with Yolanda and uh, Courtney and Rick. Um, she's the one that she is a little too obsessed with her parents to the point that her parents are like pretty much telling her, like, you have to get a life. Um, she definitely hasn't mastered a lot of the social skills or really many, many social skills that... A girl her age should really have i mean she really doesn't know how to interact with people could she possibly be slightly asperger's maybe maybe not we really don't know but she's definitely socially awkward but she's oblivious to the fact that she's socially awkward she just thinks she's a happy cheerful person who totally loves her parents but she realizes it because what happens is 
Last episode, she saw Courtney and she saw Yolanda at the hospital. Her mother works at the hospital. She saw them there, but she saw them in costume. And it wasn't until the fact that they used their names. Courtney, you got to get a little better at this stuff. <laughs> Code names only. No using real names. But they use their names. So Beth is sort of on to them. She follows them around. She goes to Courtney's house, pretty much introduces herself to Courtney's mother as, you know, I'm, I'm one of Courtney's best friends. She waits for her because she wants to confront her about the fact that she saw what she saw. While she is waiting for her, one of the art of, or part of Dr. Midnight's suit, his goggles pretty much fell out. Um, Courtney dropped them out of her bag. Well, Beth finds them, she tries them on, and these are no ordinary goggles. Now, doing a little research, looking back at Dr. Midnight, Dr. Midnight was actually blind, uh, the original Dr. Midnight. Uh, using, you know, technology, I mean, he was, uh, he was a scientist, pretty much. But using all of this, he was able to develop a way for him to quote-unquote see. So he's pretty much able to see in the dark. He's sort of like the JSA's... I don't want to really call him a Tony Stark, but he's pretty much like their resident genius. And these goggles that he have pretty much allow, you know, the user who is now Beth to really view things with infrared and night vision and x-ray vision. And not only that, pretty much have an AI in them. I mean, okay, <laughs> Jarvis is in there, but it's not Jarvis. It's actually an AI uh, of the O of the original Dr. Midnight. Um, so through all of this, you know, Beth, Beth kind of gets a history on the JSA. She gets a history on Courtney. She really gets a history on everybody so that when Courtney does find her, Beth is sort of like, you know, look, I know everything. Here's everything that I know. And that's one of the things is Beth is a bit of a know-it-all. So getting this technology, uh, you know, getting this gear, I don't know if it's helping her. I don't know if it's hurting her. It's definitely making her a lot more of a know-it-all. So she kind of tags along because she is actually able to help with her her goggles, uh, both with the different types of vision that it has and with the AI that it has. They are able to tr uh, track down Rick Harris, and you know Courtney pretty much explains to him that who his father really was and the artifact and how our man's hourglass. It was pretty much based on uh, Rex Tyler's DNA. It would only respond to him or somebody in his family based on DNA. But because of that, when you turn over the hourglass, it grants uh, you know the wearer superhuman strength for one hour per day. And the thing is, is even though he's very very reluctant about it, you know he doesn't really believe Courtney or anything until they really start to explain it more. And with Beth coming in and using the info in her AI goggles, you know, kind of filling in some of the blanks, he does believe it. But now, like Yolanda says, she's like, "Great, you just handed a really devastating weapon to like the biggest delinquent in school," and that's pretty much what he initially wants to use it for. He wants to use it to kind of get revenge on his uncle. Uh, he pretty much ends up mangling his truck. Um, Courtney and the team track him down, and this is, again, this is really where we see where Courtney is going to be a very, very good leader. Um, you know, he, what's good here is Rick really kind of tells her, like, look, I, I don't want to be a hero. I don't want to be this new hour man. I don't want to join your team. And he kind of does give a good reason for it. It's just, you know, he, he talks about his anger, this anger that he has over his parents dying and dying for nothing and leaving him in this situation when it's really Beth who comes along with Dr. Midnight's goggles and the AI in there that tell him the real story. So he now knows that his parents 
didn't just abandon him and die. You know, they were actually targeted by the ISA. So he is willing to join the JSA solely for revenge. And the thing is, is here's where Courtney steps up as a leader. It's sort of like, I can't let you keep that hourglass. I can't let you keep this really powerful artifact unless you promise to kind of, you know really follow my lead on this and if you're going to be a member of the jsa you have to be in it for the right reasons he does agree she does let him keep the hourglass but clearly these two are really 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 gonna butt heads pretty much as the series progresses and it's the fact that courtney is able to take that stand and make that hard choice and make that hard decision to sort of say like look we could have the new hour man here but if I don't really kind of put him in check, he could be just as dangerous to us as the other members of the ISA. It's very, very good that she does step in and do that. It's also good that she tries to step in and really tries to let Beth off, you know, I don't want to say off the hook, but let Beth down easy how she doesn't think she should really be the new Dr. Midnight, even though Beth probably is going to be a good Dr. Midnight. And I think she will be the new Dr. Midnight. They kind of established that by the end of the, of the uh, episode here. But I think the way she handles the different members of the group, uh, you know, the way she recruited Yolanda, convinced Yolanda to join, and now the two of them seem to be pretty good friends, the way she kind of deals with Beth, instead of getting frustrated and exasperated with her like just about everybody else does, she's very kind and sweet to her and really does try to let her down easy, but kind of begrudgingly accepts the fact that she is going to be the new Dr. Midnight. And standing up to Rick, you know, the new hour man who could really be a threat to them and could really do more harm than good. The fact that she's able to really kind of juggle these different personalities or, or deal with these different personalities is, is a sign of a good leader. And she's really going to need it because, like I said, you know, bringing up that Teen Titans comparison in the beginning, most versions of the Teen Titans, like I said, they've already been established heroes. Yes, they were sidekicks. But they kind of learned, you know, at the heels of some of the best in the business. They know what to do. Yes, they are teenagers and they can be impulsive and they can be reckless sometimes. But they were basically trained for this. And Robin is a natural leader. Here, we're getting a bunch of misfits thrown together, given some of the most powerful hero relics out there. And they're going to be a new team. And it's good that Courtney as Stargirl is going to be their leader because... Like I said, so far, she's really shown that she can take up that leadership role. Yes, she needs to learn a lot more things. Um, when Beth pretty much tells them that, like, yeah, I know it's you guys because she used your first names. She's like, that's kind of, you know, borrowing a line that um, Courtney used uh, about, you know, keeping your identity secret, you know, so nobody gets hurt. You know, it's superhero 101. She's like, yeah talking to each other and using your real first names that's also kind of superhero 101 so definitely courtney and the team are going to have a lot to learn but it's good that the team is kind of together now and i have a feeling that at least for the while with stripe of course added in this is going to be our new jsa and you know one of the one of the other things that really or a couple other things that really kind of happened in this episode is uh we see henry jr son of brainwave it really looks like he's starting to develop his father's powers it's really no surprise there yes early on you know henry senior tried to try to see if his son had any abilities but like sky high you know hey he might just be a late bloomer but it definitely looks like he is clearly beginning to um develop those powers courtney's main rival cindy at school i really think that you know she's the um 
she's the daughter of Dr. Ito, who is Dragon King, who we saw um, an episode or two ago where he basically, one of the things he did say is the fact that he is doing experiments on his own daughter. I think that it is, I, I think that Cindy is uh, that daughter just because of, it, it looked like we got a clue or two in this episode. So... It, it definitely looks like, you know, we've been introduced to a lot more members of the ISA, some new members of the ISA, and kind of seeing some preview stuff for next week. I accidentally saw it. I kind of hate to do that, but I did see some preview stuff, preview things for next week. And it looks like a few more members will be introduced for the ISA. And I think some new members of the ISA, I'm not quite sure, but definitely both sides, you know, both sides are definitely forming up and we're kind of getting the origins out of the way in these first uh, five episodes. And it looks like the rest, the remaining two thirds of the season, let's say is really going to kind of deal with this sort of battle between the JSA and the ISA. And I think it's going to be really, really interesting overall. uh, You know, this episode was a very, very good episode. The series is doing very, very well. And I look forward to more. Guys, thanks for listening. Do me a favor, head on over to Instagram. Stuff you don't need to know is there. I post pictures about the content that I talk about. I also want to say, if you live in the Central Jersey region, Midtown Comics, I'm sorry, not Midtown Comics, Main Street Comics in Milltown, New Jersey, is open for business. Um, I think, you know, because of restrictions and things they need to limit the number of people that go into the store but it's usually not a very overly busy store but it is a very good store um you will need a mask just like probably everywhere else you go uh, and and you know conduct business and whatnot you will need a mask but main street comics is open this is jay and i'll talk to you guys later